Hello and welcome to Christianity Thoughts. This is your place for discussion about Christianity, about Jesus, and other things around the world, about societal issues and the deep theological ideas. So stick around and find out more about Jesus and what we believe. Hello and welcome to Christianity Thoughts and this is our discussion today with many people. Oh my goodness. Today we have Elspeth and Lauren and we have Ethan. Hello, yes. So first things first, we're going to have an introduction of each of our hosts that we have today. I've forgotten to say, I am Paul Walters, the principal host of Christianity Thoughts. And yeah, so Elsie and Lauren, I'll go to you first. Um, who are you and how old are you and what do you do? Who are you, Lauren? I'm Lauren. I'm 23. I am a student at UCLan. We study community and social care. And I became a Christian about six months ago. <laughs> I am Elspeth. I am 20 years old, about to be 21. <laughs> I also study community and social care policy and practice at uni. I am about to be in year three. And I became a Christian two years ago. I mean, you know, it's not that deep. I didn't. <laughs> it's a weird one with me, but we'll move on. <laughs> Fair enough. A whole different um, one for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, what about you, Ethan? Before yeah, that? so I'm Ethan. I'm 19 and I study computer forensics and security at Manchester Metropolitan University in the UK. And I last year repented and put my faith in Christ after realizing I was living like a hypocrite. And that's a, that's me. Nice, nice. So, as you can see, very different stories and backgrounds. Um, Elsie and Lauren doing the same course, but obviously um, slightly different ages. Um, just before we get into proper things for the podcast, just to mention on um basic uh, podcast admin things we are currently on um various different podcasting websites we're on breaker we're on google podcasts pocket casts we're on radio public and we're on spotify so if, if if you type in christianity thoughts on any of those sites then you can find us there we are usually send out links of the Spotify podcast, so you're probably listening it that it to it there. But if you have any of those podcasting websites or apps, then you can listen to us there. Um, we have had many people listen in, um, so please carry on sharing around to your friends or family or your pet hamster. I don't care. But in, in any case, that is some uh, admin things out the way. Also, send in any questions or messages 
towards us and we will hopefully address them in further podcasts. At the moment, we have none. So please send in any messages or if you're close to us, um, um, of, of us who are the hosts, then please send us a message, maybe uh, giving us some discussion topics. Anyway, with all that out the way, I'm going to go on to the discussion topic that we have today, because otherwise you are all going to get bored. The discussion topic for today is about creation and what I mean by that is what are people's views on creation, whether young earth, old earth, whether literal creation or literal six day creation account or, um, you know, expanded creation account. Um, So in any case, um, what are your guys thoughts? Elsie, Lauren, and Ethan, about the creation account that we see in the Bible. Let's go with Ethan first. He usually has uh, an opinion about stuff. I think first I want to lay down uh, the two main worldviews that we have. Uh, The first one, obviously, is the six-day creation account, which you have mentioned, and the polar opposite to that, so to speak, is the worldview which is that the world, uh, the universe, everything in it evolved over billions of years. So as you can see, this is quite a problem because although believers try and find some sort of middle ground, you can't because they're too distinct, they're too different. But here are my thoughts. Obviously, um, I've grown up with the Christian knowledge and because of Christ, I do believe in a literal six-day creation. The problem with me is not rather, uh, well, not believing the six days that I believe that God can change hearts. I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. And therefore, I believe he can do these things, including making the universe in six days. I think the issue for me is because of a lack of research and knowledge with um, generational stuff. Uh, I don't quite know exactly when that happened but i do believe in a literal six-day creation i am a creationist um i don't believe that the world could have created itself um due to general revelation things it's too obvious that it can't have created itself you know there's intelligence in the the universe and i can't ignore that i've never been able to ignore the fact that there's intelligence in humans we are the image bearers of God and it's glaringly obvious to me that you know the universe couldn't have made itself and they're they're my thoughts um yeah thank you for that um just to also outline I forgot to um say before we went into this that we aren't obviously theologians we as Ethan said that like we he hasn't gone into great depth of research but this is just our honest discussions, our honest thoughts on the matter. So I'll I'll pose this question, um, maybe it sort of directs maybe towards um, uh, myself or um, Elsie and Lauren, but like, what did we think of when we thought of creation 
before we were Christian or before we thought about God? Like, what were your thoughts on creation? I would say that personally, it was something that I'd never really given much thought about, but I think it's a very sort of situational thing because I know that I certainly thought that there surely everything was created and there must be a creator. I just didn't give much thought to what or who that creator might be. And I know that that's different in a lot of a lot of atheists that they they don't believe in creation. But I think for me it was definitely I know that something has created this because I think you can't look at the world and not see a design. Mm. Like Ethan said, an, an intelligence to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think I am probably before coming a Christian um, have been the only person um, probably here. Well, maybe um I don't know, but I I used to be very heavily on um, old earth and a non-literal six days. Um, sort of growing up, I have been in a Christian family, um, which has sort of leaned more, more to that view. Um, more recently, I've been trying to reconcile, um, you know, what it actually says in scripture versus uh, what I feel, what how I have um, sort of interpreted things through my own eyes before or what I've been told before. Um, So that leaves me, yeah, sort of at the moment being um, uh, trying to put my faith in what it says um, in Genesis 1, which is what we're sort of principally talking about. Um, so what it says there, um, which uh, is is quite difficult considering, yeah, as I said, growing up with, um, you know, that worldview. Um, so I think what, what are your thoughts, Elsie? I think they're sort of the same as Ethan's, aren't they? Yeah, I'm... Um, a young earther. Um, I mm. get most of my <laughs> evidence, my sources, from the Creation magazine, Big Up. They used to come mm. around and do talks at our home church. <clears throat> that always fascinated me. Oh, wow, great. Um, and we get the magazine monthly or whatever it is. Um, and they are very scientific. So, you know, for people who say that science and Christianity can't go together well you're just wrong because magazine proves that wrong um but from the creation magazine they always made a really good point that I can't really think of differently now and the point was that when you look at sort of I'm not going to use big words because I'm not scientific but when you look at say you know like a canyon and it's got multiple layers of rock in it Um, you know, the sediment, and then off that, scientists say that that sediment is millions of years old because of the layers, or billions of years old because of the layers. But um, Creation Magazine made a really good point that in those layers of rock, you'll find fossils and you'll find bones, right? Um, But how can the Earth be millions or billions of years old 
if because if we're going to look at it in the way of god created in that seven day period he created in what we would know as billions of years that's fine um but that was before the fall so that was before sin so how come there's fossils and bones in the sediment if this was before the fall there was no sin or death before then so if there's death in these rocks and in these layers how are we saying that the the earth has been made in billions of years do you know what i mean like yeah yeah i totally agree that suggests a young earth actually um because i mean it says in romans 12 as well um that there was no sin or death before adam adam was the first one the first man who died there were even for the animals there was no sin or death or any of that it's interesting mm. because I think a lot of people would look at that and go well there's fossils and there's bones and there's that so that suggests old earth mm. when actually when you look at it like that yeah it must mm. point to younger when because yeah. when you actually look at sin yeah. and death yeah because if we look at the timeline from adam and eve up until now it's not it's not millions of years is it so mm. do you know what yeah I mean? these fossils and bones in those layers that people say are billions of years old well they can only be after the fall and the fall wasn't millions of years and so for me it's as simple as that do you know what i mean like the earth clearly can't be as old as we say it is mm. I, I think that oh sorry you go i was going to make a different point so if you have anything okay, well, I'll, I'll just say that I think that's sort of what, um, from what else he's saying oh, on the point of um, um, like the fossil record um, and sort of saying about that. I think that's where I sort of have leaned more towards um, mm -hmm. at least younger recently. Because, um, yeah, if it's millions of years old, which is what being said was. 65 million years um, years ago um, quoted that the dinosaurs were wiped out um, then we would have like tons and tons of fossils for which we don't know where they are probably um, so whether it's in the depths of the ocean I don't know but that does spring um, questions uh, I would say um about um, older fossil records so anyway yeah that's what i was thinking what about what are you gonna say laura i think i was just gonna make a completely different point to be honest i think it it depends a lot on how you want to interpret genesis one because yeah that's true it's it depends on how literally you are interpreting mm. god's word because it literally says on this day, on this day, on this day, it, it states that. And you have, if you're reading that on face value and taking it exactly as it says, then you have to be young earth. Mm. I think also people, including believers as well, forget how big um, God really is. Like he has mm. divine authority. The Bible makes it very clear that the universe was spoken into existence by his written word or by his word, the word, which is often um, like referred to as authority. And that's also assigned to Christ. Um, people often forget 
how powerful God really is. You either have an all-powerful God or you don't have a God at all. There is no in-between. There yeah. has to be an all-powerful God uh, because of the, well, to the atheist, the mysteries in the universe. These these problems are big. Like, this universe is big. So another point I want to make about the, the fossils as well is um, a lot of people dismiss the flood, but the flood would explain probably 99% of the problems or mysteries scientists have had about certain things. Uh, for example, uh, like Elspeth was saying about uh, the problem with fossils, are they, they millions of years old or sediment? How can there be multiple layers if the, if the earth is young? And it's a, a good question. But all, I've also read a lot on creation ministries. And they talk about how a global flood would have had a catastrophic impact in the sense that it, its force, or its impact would mean that all of the, the sediments would be created very quickly. Um, but the problem is, is that scientists don't believe in a global flood because they don't believe in God. And that's the real crux of the issue, I think, for me, is that if they accepted that a flood happened, that would explain a lot. Uh, I was also reading on um, Creation Ministries, I, I don't know how true this is or not, but scientists seem to think that Mars was maybe once um, fully covered in water, mm. but they won't admit to the Earth maybe once being full of water, even though the Earth is about 70% of water. Uh, so I think there is also, it's brutal, but a lot of hypocrisy with scientific thinking, because... If you did believe what God's testimony is about his written account about Genesis, if it is a historical accurate written account, then a lot of our problems would have already been solved and put to, de uh, put to bed a while ago. Uh, also, mm -hmm. another question I have is about transitional fo fossils. Um, like, where are they if evolution is a thing? Because practically, as well as in theory, if that was the thing, we would have a whole Earth absolutely covered in fossils, but we don't. Like, where are they? And Paul was also talking about maybe they're in the sea. I, I don't know. But to me, I think there's a lot of flaws in the theory of evolution, especially when it comes to our intelligence as well. Um, it's really interesting. Mm, yeah. I think it would also be making a point of um, that. Obviously, we obviously we don't know a lot of the scientific theory or the um, or stuff around that. Um, so we may sort of put out a um, apology if we do um, misconstrue something. But um, in any case, did anyone else have a point to make? I think, what, touching on what Ethan said about trusting, I think you've, you've sort of got to look at it from a younger perspective as well. If you're saying you trust in the scripture and you're saying that you really truly believe that all of these things happened and it is a historical account, you, you, you've surely got to then look at Genesis as well and, and look at that as a historical account. I can't see how you can look at, some parts of 
the Bible and say, yes, I absolutely, truly believe that this happened, but then choose to interpret a different part of the Bible another way. For me, that just doesn't work. You're either saying you're trusting in the scripture or you're not. You can't pick and choose which parts. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a lot of reading into, um, yeah, as we said, worldview into um, what we see in scripture. Because, like, from me, um, I can sort of make a personal account of um, what I sort of used to think um, uh, uh, very heavily in, in some some way. Um, was that like um, so? Obviously, the the opposition of a literal six days account of creation is that um, yes, you know, I would have thought like the six quote days, um, but those quote days are ages. So like the, those days were spread out, and um, so for, it, it would um, it would. Uh, go alongside with the view of like millions of years because if you had a millions of years of a day like for creating the stars let's the stars in the sky let's say um that would obviously be in line with um the worldview um but um obviously when you actually look in scripture um it's very hard to like come across that like if you if you just look at it um a lot of Bible translations have put it to a day that we we mean 24 hours, 20, uh, 24 hours of a day. Um, so uh, I think <laughs> it, you can't really go wrong in some ways for what we have. Uh, another point I want to make um, also is that the emphasis of the six days is talked, of, talked about again in Exodus 20. In when God is saying, remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy and telling the Israelites that you shall work for six days and then on the seventh rest. Um, it also says uh, in verse 11 of that, that for in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and he rested on the seventh. So I actually do think it is literal day because the language seems to suggest that it is as well, the Hebrew language. Uh, and also... As believers, we ought to believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord Almighty. As it says in Jeremiah, God says, I'm the Lord of mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Well, no, it isn't. So I think that God actually did create everything in a literal six day setting for the sake in which we follow that paradigm so that we don't burn ourselves out. So that we have a day that's well, the Israelites had a day that was dedicated to the Lord. Uh, that was a Saturday. Um, so I think it's a paradigm that God used for the sake of us. Uh, the Sabbath was made for us, wasn't it? So uh, I do think it was a literal six days, um, especially also looking in the life of Jesus, how uh, the miracles he did, like that didn't take millions of years. You know, he just did it like he said it and it was so sort of thing. Like uh, also in, when the, the Roman officer uh, talks about how, you know, he just commands something and it just happens. It's a bit like that. I genuinely do believe that God created the world in six days. For me, it's just not knowing when that happened back in time. 
like was it six thousand years was it ten thousand years i haven't done my research on this and like paul was saying like there will be gaps in my knowledge but from reading the scripture god is not a god of confusion and i do believe that we're meant to understand it in the sense that yes this is his written account are we going to trust what god has said to us I think the, there's also a lot of different signs in, in the Bible that suggest that everything was created within that time frame because I, and I was reading, I don't know you know how correct it is, but I was reading something about um, the significance of the number seven in the Bible. And mm. seven quite often like symbolizes perfection or completion in the Bible. So mm. if you're looking at Jesus made seven statements from the cross, and they are seeing, I mean, obviously, Luke, John, Matthew. And then if you're looking at, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought then. You you also, if you look at the significance of the number seven, mm. sorry, I'm reading this now. Um, I'm so sorry. It's all good. Yeah, so the significance of um, number seven. It, um, in the the Hebrew word for seven derives from the Hebrew word for satisfaction or fullness, hmm. and so there's quite a lot of symbols in the Bible and um, times where seven is very significant. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. A question I would like to ask then, in light of all of this, we have two worldviews: one which believes the written account of God and one which quite clearly doesn't like the opposite so what about the the intentions or maybe the motives in trying to find a scientific explanation for how the world may have come into existence because surely we as human beings mere human beings should be satisfied with god's written account but what is it that makes humans want to find um well a theory that has no sense no nothing about god in it so um what are your thoughts there hmm. i think it, it's the sense of um always uh humans have been wanting to um get a one-up on um well say quote god but they would say non-existence um that, like, you know, we see in the Bible the account of um, the Tower of Babel, that, um, that, you know, humans came together to create this building, whether it's um, really tall or was, um, something of um, way that they can worship, worship themselves more, moreover, that, you know, God um, went against that. Now I think that can that can sort of be mirrored into what um, people are trying to do with like science. Like they're trying to find out all the ways of the universe, um, so that they can ultimately be God. They can be worshipped for you know it would be probably their. Um, their achievements of finding out this great thing, you know, you know, a few years ago, you found out the Higgs boson or whatever, 
um, that people, I think, is it the gold particle? It might be something else. Um, in any case, that, you know, the people who found it were praised for finding it. Um, but um, I guess that is just something that, you know, as I said at the start, that um, humans have been just trying to get a one-up, but you can never really get to that because, you know, people have been scientists or um, or what what have you when they try and delve deeper and deeper into uh, their, their science, uh, the more and more that they they find God really, and that's quite um, quite significant with a lot of other worldviews as well, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I suppose in the Bible we see how people ultimately reject God, normally the Israelites, and uh, obviously science wasn't really a known thing back then. So they, they would have other gods, right? They would use idols. I suppose today, in this sense, if you're putting science above God, that is an idol. The irony then is that though people don't want to admit to God's existence or at least try and wipe them out. They at the same time want to be like God. So my question to them would be, well, where are you getting these godly attributes from or like these characteristics? If you're trying to deny that God doesn't even exist, like I was reading a book by John Lennox, 2084. Um, he talks about this, how people while they try and reject God's existence at the same time, they want to become what is known as Homo Deus, which is like a human, but with godly characteristics. In other words, mm. you want to be like God. So th there's a lot of irony in that, that they have to be getting that from somewhere. Otherwise we shouldn't even be thinking about godly attributes or God at all. If he's not in existence, but we know it's written on our hearts that God has created everything. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting point. Has anyone else got any thoughts on um, creationism or the topics around it? Um, I've got a bit more evidence for a young world, you know. Go on. I will. <laughs> um, so I found this article and it's mm. BBC One. And um, it was from 2015, and the title is Blood Cells Found in Dino Fossils. So it says, Re researchers have discovered what appear to be the remnants of red blood cells and connective tissue in 75 million year old dinosaur fossils. But red blood cells don't last that long on fossils. They certainly don't last 75 million years. They could, at tops, last a few thousand but certainly not that many um and so mm. therefore how is how is it possible poss how is that po i think it's a bit hypocritical coming from a scientist so they were like oh this is this is you know a great discovery we didn't realize they could be preserved that long no they can't you've told us that and yet, in the same breath, just because you've found this thing on the on the dinosaur bone, suddenly they can last for seventy five million years. 
I think that's half of the problem though it's yeah. the fact that that the fact that they can change their mind so quickly yeah. and say actually no we think it can last 75 million years yeah, exactly. it's because of the denial of uh-huh. the existence of god yeah anything mm. for it not to be an adam and eve creation story um there's a few there's a lot more evidence um on the creation magazine i'm just gonna big it up because <laughs> <laughs> it's got some great sources um if you are into sciencey things um, another one is that the Earth's magnetic field has been decaying so fast that it couldn't be more than about 10,000 years old. Um, That's a really good point, actually. I was also um, reading on creation ministries. Now, my science obviously isn't the, the best, but they were talking about how, it, you know, where the moon is positioned, yeah. how it's been drinking back. Now, if the universe and everything was billions of years old then would the moon not have shrunk back to the point that this earth could basically not function because the moon and the earth from my understanding sort of need each other to be in full sync like the moon is locked to the earth so that tides and things like that can work honestly a disclaimer i don't know a lot about the science but i do know that there are certain things which have design mm. and order to it, and I find it extremely interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, on Ethan's point, it says the moon is slowly receding from Earth at about one and a half inches per year, and the rate would have been greater in the past, but even if the moon had started receding from being in contact with the Earth, it would have taken only 1.37 billion years to reach its present distance. This gives the maximum possible age of the moon, not the actual age. This is far too young for the evolution, uh, for evolution, and much younger than the radiometric dates assigned to moon rock. So there you go. It's really interesting that actually, but we we can obviously go on and on and on about the evidence for a young Earth, but we know mm. as Christians, as believers, that it's ultimately a heart problem. In other words rebellion i mean richard dawkins for example doesn't even believe that adam existed but that's um rubbish because as ray comfort said in uh, the evidence bible that there is natural genealogy for the existence of adam so therefore he was a natural man whether you believe in the context behind it you know he was a man he did exist um which is an interesting point i bring it up because Sometimes scientists are guilty of, you know, picking and choosing <laughs> certain things like that. Uh, Richard Dawkins, mm. uh, especially. Uh, but we know ultimately it's a heart issue. People mm. will. It says in the Bible people believe. Well, it says in the Bible that people. Some people think that you know Christ dying and rising again is folly. Like they consider it folly. We all consider it folly before we were saved Mm. Uh, so we need our spiritual blindness opened because without god we see the we see christ as folly so how much more are we going to see the creation count as stupid if we are we know if we're not believers for example so ultimately i come i think it all comes down to that um but i do agree that there is a you make Sorry, was that... point, you know, about um, people not even believing that Adam and Eve existed. Because yeah. so many atheists I've come across can't even accept that Jesus Christ was a real living historical yeah. being. 
Well, oh, no, but even Bart Ehrman, who is an atheist scholar, condemns people who say that Jesus didn't exist because the historical evidence screams that he existed more than literally any other historical person 2,000 years ago. A lot of atheists just completely deny that Jesus and any character in the Bible even existed because it seems to be this fear of if you even accept that, there's something wrong with you. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, how far can atheists go? You really want to rewrite history. What else are you going to re- rewrite? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it does say in the Bible that while professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's talking about godless people. And I think we see a lot of that today. Romans coming into play, especially Romans 1. How people will deny God so much that why would they look you know, worldly wise, they're actually becoming fools because how much evidence are you actually denying just for the sake of your own, like, gratification, basically? Mm-hmm. Well, me and Lauren have got a friend who, even when we made the point of saying, but these people, especially Jesus, were living people, there's history that they existed, not just the Bible, there's, there's so many accounts um, outside of the Bible that these people lived and she just couldn't even accept that she completely denied that that was even that was too much for her but it, I think that is when it becomes a choice yeah you're choosing denial at that point because that yeah. is a case of I'm not acknowledging the evidence yeah I'm not listening to the fact that you have actual historical proof that these people yeah. existed mm-hmm. I'm choosing to believe that this is the way things mm-hmm. are yeah exactly so I think how how much of it is actually atheists choosing to remain atheists. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's a heart problem because, that, like, I turned around and we were saying that you wouldn't deny that kings and queens existed. There's more evidence that Christ existed than there is Julius Caesar, and she would clearly believe that all the Romans Caesar and Caesar existed. So it's like you want to believe in one thing, you're cherry picking, you know. The, it's... The amazing thing is, is that they accuse us of hypocrisy as well. And yes, I, there is a lot of hypocrisy with Christians picking and choosing like what they want to believe about the Bible. But if you don't believe basic things like Christ actually existed, then you're going to have to wipe out 99% of history. Because a lot of the history we know about comes from historical written accounts of the Bible. A lot of the time, AC scholars will just ignore or try and rebut like things with the miracles and the divine sort of things. But uh, a lot of the history that we know of, the Romans, the Babylonians, that comes from the Bible, written accounts Mm. which we rely on. So therefore, you're going to have to deny the history book as well if you're denying basic things like Christ's existence. Like, mm. yes, we don't believe in Islam or we don't believe that Muhammad was a genuine prophet. But to say that he didn't exist would be totally ridiculous and yeah. illogical for us to say. Of course he existed. Mm. That's why almost two billion people believe in Islam. Like, I sometimes think... the Bible encourages us to think critically, to think with logic and when you start thinking like this, what seems so unobvious then suddenly becomes obvious. 
the problem is is that people don't want to accept the truth of objective truth meaning that there is absolute truth and it's not all subjective like some actually do believe um lauren has some interesting <laughs> points to make that she is itching <laughs> to talk about. itching to share i think on the topic of hypocrisy and um also going back to fossils because apparently that's our theme for today we keep going back to these fossils <laughs> if we're saying that at the end of day six god pronounced that his finished creation was good very mm. good then if evolution were true and you're old earth you're saying that adam and eve would have essentially been standing on what would have been a ground of fossils yeah because there would have been fossils uh-huh. and there would have been stuff underneath exactly but then if you're saying that they were standing on a fossil graveyard that had happened over millions of years god's mm. calling that very good the bible describes death as the last enemy to be destroyed mm. yes so exactly how can you how can you say that yes i believe in evolution i believe in old earth but also i agree that the bible says death is the last enemy it's it, oh, hypocrisy exactly, yeah. come on laura <laughs> come on yeah um, to piggyback on lauren's point um i'm pretty sure with evolution isn't it isn't there a process in which organisms have to die because you're evolving mm. in yeah, so you thing. have things so, like natural selection. Well, see, this is the thing. If organisms... Organisms? Is that the correct word? Or organisms... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. If they're, if they're dying, how can evolution be a part of God's creation when, again, we've got this theme of death? There is, There was no death. There was no death at all in the beginning. So then how can evolution be a part of that? Romans 5.12 literally states that sin came into the world through one man and mm. death through sin exactly so how is it possible that we're ignoring that mm. and saying this no actually, why have i don't think you can reconcile the atheist view yes i know that, for example that paul is maybe talking about the scientific processes involved in creation but i mean the atheistic worldview which is that the universe created that itself which is total bonkers i don't think you can reconcile that kind of thinking with the bible because of the bible making it very clear that once this world was perfect it was good god was able to call it good but the problem which people deny is sin and sin has destroyed everything it has infected the whole of the universe the observable universe as we know it it has infected everything so therefore Mm. the bible stands authoritative on this in fact sin is such a problem that god would send his only begotten son to be the savior of this world that's how Mm. serious it is it's it's serious stuff Mm. i also think that a a massive part of the gospel is the hope that we have in the, in the the resurrection and the res- restoration of creation to its original perfect state mm-hmm. but if you're saying yeah. that death and sin happened before mm-hmm. creation mm-hmm. then how what state are we returning to why are we how can it be called restoration uh-huh. if such a state never existed exactly bingo yeah exactly i totally agree with that to be honest mm. um it I, I literally the whole idea of say, such a good point it undermines the whole idea of essentially everything yeah. of the new creation. It undermines the fall. It undermines everything. It 
it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that is correct. I suppose then my question would be to someone who maybe, like, let's say, believes in Christ, believes in God, but then, um, let's say, doesn't believe the Bible's in there, which is a topic we're going to discuss at some point. Um, like, at what point do you start believing the Bible? Do you believe it a few chapters in? Do you believe it a few stories in? At what point? saying that scripture is inerrant because you know genesis 1 2 and 3 all of it makes it very clear about the historical way in which it was done another th- uh, good point that even god makes to job and i believe it's job 38 or 39 is where were you when i created the heavens and the earth laid the foundations like where were we as humans when it all happened so therefore, what mm. scientists are saying is we think we know what happened billions of years ago, but then they ridicule and mock us for believing something that happened 2,000 years ago and has the historical narrative, has the evidence to back it up. And also the testimonies of uh, disciples, apostles, giving their lives to something that wouldn't have given them any worldly benefit. So that some my thoughts up there. Um, I'd like to hear mm. other people's thoughts. <laughs> Paul, I think you should take the stage on this one. You haven't said much. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I've just been letting the conversation flow. So um, let's hear your point. My point on what? What on what Ethan's just been saying? Um. Well, I don't really ha- um, have a counter to that, to be honest, or um, in anything else. Um... So at the beginning of the podcast, you were sort of like still in the middle with mm. your old... So how can we have an update on your... Um, how are you feeling? Now that we have presented to you the evidence... <laughs> Me, yeah, um... I mean, yeah, it is one of those things that I am putting my faith in uh, the account. It's just, you know, a fleshly sort of thing. So I would like to say that, um, that yeah, it's just, it's just a, a a struggle in some ways from past to what I um, think through scripture. So there isn't anything that I've been convinced of, if you get what I mean. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Here's a a question then, because obviously atheists would listen to us and laugh at us for what we put our faith in. Evolution is taught in schools, it's taught everywhere, and creationism is not, because people think it's ridiculous. So how do we then, as as people who believe in the opposite view entirely altogether, how do we combat this idea that we're being intellectually dishonest when I don't think we are? We're, we've been as like evolutionists, we're just interpreting it through the lens of God, through the lens of the Bible. So then how do we then problem of ridicule, mocking from atheists who do, you know believe in the opposite worldview and let's say let's be honest the dominative worldview 
I think that can be a really difficult one because I think, as we were saying before, it's almost a denial of any evidence or acceptance of any proof that we can bring. Whereas I think we look at all of the evidence and we look at every side and, and then make our choice and say, we know that this is the way. Whereas with an atheist, I think it's much more, I'm choosing not to accept what you're saying to me. So it can be quite a difficult conversation to have because you're almost, you're almost sort of at times talking to a bit of a wall. Yeah. Because it's not a fair conversation. Both parties are quite often, and I'm generalizing here and I know I probably shouldn't be, but in my experience, I know that both parties have not always been open to each other's viewpoints like they should be. Mm. I think standing firm in your faith is, you know, obviously a big one. But stand, not being afraid to stand up to people and just, you know, show them the evidence, show them the Bible, show them the verses and all the rest of it um and question them because you know we always get questions on our faith why do you believe in that yeah throw it the opposite way why do you believe in what you believe in why do you believe that nothing created all of this why is it, it we're different why yeah. are you not different why are we the daft ones yeah like, i'm yeah. sorry but i just i've never understood it you know it comes back to something that someone said to me ages and ages ago and it really stuck with me if we are believing in all of this and atheists are absolutely correct what have we lost? Yeah. What have we lost Nothing. in the end? If atheists are correct, then what in the point in all this, all we have done is live the best lives we possibly can. Exactly. However, if we're correct and atheists have been living the way they've been living, we know what happens. Yeah. You've lost everything. There's no chance of coming back. So why and might I dare say that if the atheists are right, we've gained nothing in the first place. Because while there are worldly things, there is no purpose but purpose is what we are secretly actively looking for everyone looks for purpose in life yet if the atheists are right there is none it's the brutal truth and not any objective like purpose uh, another thing i want to say is peter does say in one of his epistles um to always be ready to give an account for the things you hope for that is in the context mm. of christ but I think this links also to Genesis because all things were made through Christ. So therefore, we're believing not only that the Son of God died and rose again, but that all things were created through the Son of God. It is the total atheist nightmare. Hmm. Yeah. I think all we can do is try to continue to share the gospel yeah. and spread the good news and show people the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. afraid of what people think about you because you know, as Lauren says, you know, if if we're wrong, then so what? What? Look, look at all the things. Even if none of this is real, which we know it is, but it, that's for the sake for the sake of argument. It's not. We've we've gained so many things. To be we've honest. gained a family. We are brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. We've yeah. gained a family. We've yeah. gained a purpose, like Ethan was saying. Yeah. We've gained mm. so much and lost nothing. If at the end yeah. of the day, none of this is real. Exactly. So, you know, stand firm in that. Don't care what other people think. I know it's so easy to, to do so, but... If you're you know. saying in the Lord as well, you trust in you, what we should be aiming for. I think what we should focus less on is what people think and focus less on what being ridiculed and being made fun of and focus on actually pleasing God. Yeah, exactly. And if we're standing firm in our faith and we're saying we know that this is the truth and we know that this is the way... Mm. 
that I th- that needs to be our focus. Let's focus more on only caring about what God thinks mm. instead of caring about what people think. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's him that we have to answer to. On judgment day, it's him mm. that we're in front of. And there's so many ways to just naturally, you know, bring things like this up in conversation. Um, I mean, <laughs> ask Lauren about it. Like, before Lauren was a Christian, I was honestly talking her head off about Christianity all day, every day. The reason I, I came to know Christ was because of how much you spoke about your faith. And if I had been scared of what Lauren thought, because, you know, I'm sure she won't mind me saying she's opinionated. <laughs> if I was scared of that, then, you know, Lauren wouldn't be sitting on this podcast at this moment. I'd be having a very boring Tuesday night. She would definitely, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so, mm. she, you know. I, I think you're definitely right. We just need to trust in the world. I think a common misconception is that atheists think that we think we know everything but I think the point is we don't. We humble ourselves and admit that only the Lord knows certain things. And it is him we trust in, especially with this, considering we are the byproduct, so to speak. We are the result of his handiwork. We were not there when he created everything. Uh, that's why some people call it a mystery. To us, it's not a mystery. We're trusting in the revealed word of God inerrant true and infallible and we're trusting in the the narrative given to us it may not have the scientific details but we are trusting what god says is true we believe in it we have faith in it Mm. i think when it comes down to it all you need to do is look around you yeah we i'm sure the guys won't mind me saying we walked up a mountain the other day and just to take one look at at the view and how intricate things are and how incredible it is. How can you not see God in that? Yeah. Mm. And how can you not see creation? Mm. And to have creation, you have to have a creator. Exactly. Like Um, it says in Romans 1, um, where God says, uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, which we see in eternal galaxies, stars, planets and divine nature, have clearly been seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So we are without excuse. Why? Because we see beauty, design, power or majesty. We see these qualities in creation. We see them and it's incredible. I've always thought that the, well, we we know that the universe is basically limitless in our understanding. There's billions of stars, there's billions of galaxies. To me, that sort of represents God's eternal power. So therefore it makes more sense to me that God is all being all powerful, that he's all eternal, that he's able to do whatever he wants according to his sovereign will. Mm. I would say to, you know, if there, if there are any like atheists listening to this, I'd sort of just say, you know, consider the things that we've said and ask Jesus himself to, you know, reveal it all to you and to reveal himself to you. Because, you know, I know we've mentioned before that Jesus was a historical man and, you know, had a 
an incredible life and all the rest of it. But he's also alive today. Jesus died and he rose again. And then he went into heaven. He is very much alive as we speak. So I would say, you know, do your own research and really dig deeper than, you know, don't just, you know, keep yourself in an echo chamber, like properly go deeper and really just, you know, as I say, like, if you really want to pray about it, you know, because what, what have you got to lose? What have you got to gain is a real question. Exactly. And in my experience, I've noticed that a lot of atheists go off understanding based off things which aren't true, which have been sort of spread around mm. the words assumptions. But then when atheists have gone and done their own research, they've converted because they've seen that the historical narrative does actually hold substance to it. Jesus of Nazareth did indeed prove himself to be the son of God by not only just the miracles that he performed in Jerusalem, uh, Israel, but he also proved himself by dying and rising again on the cross mm -hmm. and showing himself to over 500 witnesses, <clears throat> which were mm -hmm. historically recorded, in which these people gave their lives. They died, they were brutally murdered, killed, all for the gospel. For they believed, and we believe, that the gospel is the power of God. And they didn't gain anything worldly from it. Yes, Christianity did grow and it did sort of knock out the Romans. But that was just because more people became believers. For the first century, people were killed. And the fact that no one was able to stop it is evidence of the gospel being the power of God. Mm. I think talking about the resurrection and, and that as well, you would say that today's science proves that men don't rise from the dead yeah like men don't yeah. and rise from the dead so if we allow that same science to tell us that jesus didn't actually rise from the dead then in one corinthians it says our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain mm -hmm. so you mm, you know yeah i mean i think we should definitely discuss the death and resurrection of jesus christ in another podcast because like as ethan and lauren have mentioned there's so much evidence a lot behind the mm. resurrection the crucifixion you know and uh jesus rising from the dead honestly there is so much evidence i had no idea um mm. and the, the thing you'll find with atheist scholars is that they sort of 75 percent believe in the gospel they believe that jesus was a historical man they believe that he died on the cross. They believe he was buried. That's 75%. But what then they don't believe in the other 25%, which was like he rose again. Mm. But there is the same amount of evidence for him rising again as there is for him being a man, for him being born, and for him being buried. Yeah. So therefore, there is strong evidence yeah. that Christ died and he rose again. We definitely need to cover that in another. I fear if we go into that now, this podcast will be six hours long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on... And that won't be possible. <laughs> if only. On the uh, Creation Ministries website, there are, you know, to, to end, to conclude, 15 questions for evolutionists. And I'm not going to read them all out, but there are questions and then what we would as answers. And I think they're very interesting. So I'll just, you know, read out the first one. How did life originate? Okay. 
Um, there's a lot of professors and um, scientists who have admitted we don't really know how life originated on this planet. A minimal cell needs several hundred proteins. So even if every atom in the universe were an experiment with all the correct amino acids present for every possible molecular vibration in the supposed evolutionary age of the universe, not even one average sized functional protein would form. So how did life just, you know, how did that just... Human beings are not wow. possible if yeah. it's not for creation. How did life with wow. proteins originate just by chemistry without intelligence, Zai? Like, tell me. <laughs> Give me an answer, tell me. Because... Answers on a postcard, please write them in yeah, because we yeah. want to know. Because honestly... <laughs> not to mention how intricate our DNA is as well. The building blocks as to how a human being is made basically code but for humans i mean that is just incredible it's yeah, amazing brought up, ethan's brought up the code there's a question on that as well <laughs> how, how did the dna code originate the code is a sophisticated language system with letters letters and words where the meaning of the words is unrelated to the chemical properties of the letters just as the information on this page is not a product product of the chemical properties of the ink or pixels on a screen. What wow. other coding system has existed without intelligent design? How did the DNA coding system arise without it being created? Tell me. And you can use, you look at science and you think yeah. every code, everything, every equation, every code has to be written, has to be created. It has to be, yeah. So why is this different? I mean, Ethan, I'm sure you can, you know, pipe up on this bit because Ethan mm -hmm. making code for, for, for a living, for a hobby. <laughs> yeah, Ethan <laughs> sat there writing his code. Mm. Tell us. Can they just happen? Uh, the analogy I like to use often is artificial intelligence. Now, the backbone to a lot of artificial intelligence program is what you'd call a neural network, which is a machine learning algorithm. Now, the thing I think of is the more data you feed to a machine learning algorithm, the more intricate it comes. So, yes, you could argue over time that, you know, it's becoming more developed, more advanced, but someone had to write the initial skeleton codes mm -hmm. for the neural network in order for this machine learning algorithm to even be a thing and then to develop evolution at its very best can explain how life has developed. Mm. But to quote John Lennox, it cannot explain how it started. Mm. Mm. So yeah. there's many more questions to explore. As I say, 15 questions for evolutionists on the creation ministries. Um, mm. Yeah, do yeah, send me a link. Do send me a link of that and I can put it in the description. Yeah. The podcast. Um, worth a read. Challenge yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I get it. It might be a bit scary. You might be afraid to come out of your, you know, comfort zone. This is something new, maybe, for a lot of people. I can testify to that. It's yeah. scary yeah. to accept Christ. It's it's a scary thing, but it is the most worthwhile thing you'll ever do. Yeah, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Mm. Yeah. Atheists so. often say to be sceptical about faith and what we believe, but we're challenging any atheists listening to this to be sceptical of the worldview, because, sadly, the worldview and people in it are often self-centred, motivated by ungodly things mm -hmm. and therefore it's not always based on objective proof at all 
but rather as it's as it says in the letter of uh, Jude in the Bible that it's often just a ticket to immorality. Exactly, and he challenged the worldview. Speaking of morality, though, how is morality a thing? How do we know that it's wrong to, for example, murder? This is a whole different different episode. uh, How many episodes we've had in this one episode is like... (laughs) How do any of these things exist without creation? We ought to go into this deep in another podcast, Uh, but I will say this, that even atheists will say that Oh, um, you know, morals, they're they're not objective, but there's dangerous, dangerous thinking in that, because if morals are not objective, then it is technically not wrong to murder. If there is no objective truth to morality, then it is technically not wrong to murder, to steal. But we know in the Bible, it says that these things are written on our hearts. Why? What's the point? is not to evolution the survival of the fittest or one aspect of it you know we shouldn't be the least concerned about one another if we are just evolved mindless matter it shouldn't even matter at all but it does if everything did evolved and we invented god invented god like evolutionary teaching would tell you then what purpose or meaning is there at all to human life Mm. none basically classes should students be learning that life is just meaningless and that's it i think um just to you know go off what ethan had said before about being careful because there's a motivation behind you know everything in this world and, and every uh theory the only motivation that the bible and god will present to you is your salvation that's the only yes. motivation behind yeah. Christianity that you are saved yeah. and you get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. There's no other motivation than that. So if you ask me in comparison, that's a pretty good motivation, you know, and that's all I've got to say. Cause I think one hour. I'll see mic drop. Yeah. I think we've heard quite enough. We have, we've heard quite enough from all of us tonight. No, so of the atheists, my goodness. <laughs> the atheist headache. If yeah. you're an atheist and you're still here, thanks. Congratulations. Yes, send us a message. <laughs> I will say this, that if there are any believers or atheists that have any objections, then please do tell us and we can discuss them in another podcast. Yeah. Because that would be really interesting to hear, mm-hmm. let's say, some objections from even believers. Uh, because I know that there would be some but yeah yeah, if if there are any objections we're not going to bite we'll discuss them and that's what this is about well we might bite yeah we might (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah. Um, I think I would say this has been helpful time for me Um, this this little chat this little discussion as I've said before like I've been more um putting my faith into the creation count um but obviously it's a bit like niggling stuff but obviously I'll, i would make note of what elsie said like this is for people who are listening maybe or the same thoughts um that like just try and not care about what other people think in terms of whether they um um what, whether the whole world <laughs> thinks about um, creation as being evolutionary or whatever, try and look at it through your own lens. Um, 
and then obviously just I think what we've gone through this whole time is uh, look at the scripture at what it actually just does say like don't read anything else into it um, I think that's been uh, certainly over the past year or two uh, for me has just been the biggest thing in terms of um, my Christian walk is just seeing God's word as what it is um, obviously reading into context of things um, but just seeing for what it is um, rather than reading into something that isn't there. So that has been our podcast for today. I really hope that you've enjoyed listening along to our discussion as we have looked through different avenues through the discussion topic. I really hope that you would be able to share with your friends and family if you have indeed enjoyed, as well as that if you have any questions, queries, or just general messages to send in to us, please yeah, send in a message through the message link in the description. With all that being said, I've been Paul Walters. Thank you for coming to Christianity Thoughts. Bye.